0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend,
1: a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Anne Friedman. And I'm Amina Sow. This week on Call Your Girlfriend, we'll be discussing Rachel Dolezal, Ariana Grande, women who shave their faces, and what to do when you don't get along with your long-distance besties new bestie.
0: What's going
1: on? <laughs> um, you know, Do we say
0: that every time?
1: <laughs> I think so. Um, I don't know. I'm packing, going on the road for like a while starting tomorrow and it's a disaster. The packing
0: or the going on the road?
1: The packing. <laughs> like I try to pack efficiently, but I still end up wearing the same like four things all the time. And I'm like, why don't I just carry those four things?
0: I, when I was slash we were in New York maybe a week ago, I achieved a new level of packing where I wore every item that I had brought with me, which I maybe is the first time in my entire life I ever did that. And it was not easy.
1: <laughs> oh, that's my goal every time. If I, I come back and something hasn't been worn, I feel like a huge failure.
0: Also, why hasn't Marie Kondo disrupted packing yet? I feel like this is and, her next book. I mean, book. she kind of did she did she has you mean her like roll your
1: underwear technique she like kind of addresses it you should only have clothes you're gonna wear
0: well sure but i feel like owning and packing are two different things
1: it's true so i I won't name this lady that we know is an obsessive packer and she like has pinterest boards and follows like blogs about this how are flight attendants packing and that's how i got obsessed with packing Oh my god, how
0: are flight attendants
1: packing? Very efficiently. Um, <laughs> are they, are they <laughs> rolling? Space. Are they
0: rolling their oh, items? They're
1: rolling everything. There's like rolling <laughs> involved. There's like weird shit that you do with your shoes. Also, I got a new suitcase from a review on, uh, what's that review site? The Sweet Home.
0: I don't buy anything that's not Sweet Home approved.
1: Oh yeah, no. But I mean, the, the suitcase was like game changer because, you know, I don't pack a bag. That's for fools. And I was like, okay, I can do this. My only problem is liquids. I just, I'm always getting in fights with TSA. I'm like, I'm sorry, that is 4.3 ounces. I'm sorry, that's not a liquid. That's it. a solid. (laughs) How, wait, but I thought you
0: had TSA pre, which kind of gets you out of all liquid convos, right?
1: Um, no, you still get into liquid conversations if they scan your bag.
0: But I, well, I'm a newcomer to TSA Pre. I believe I texted you about its life changing properties. But uh, they never, they haven't once like pulled out liquid items from my bag when I sent it through.
1: That's because you're not a black person traveling. I, exactly. I get stopped every single time for a random check because I'm a foreigner. (laughs) It's my
0: passport. Random air quotes.
1: Yeah, I'm like, random, great. It's been four times at SFO this month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool story.
1: Cool story.
0: What's going on with you? I am also packing, or actually I haven't started yet, about to start packing, because I am also getting on an airplane tomorrow. I'm going to Detroit on a reporting trip and to see our dear friend Martha. Uh, lives sexiest
1: there. babe in all of maybe the Midwest
0: definitely. I mean, definitely in the like Eastern Time Zone oh, portion of the Midwest, name. no question. So, yeah, so that's happening. I'm very excited. I haven't been to Detroit in like 10 years and there are lots of things I want to do. Um, and it's also work. So, you know, that um I have to I have to bring things that are sort of worky. I ha- I have basically eliminated anything that looks like sort of office sort of professional from my wardrobe, and I'm just now wondering how much I can get away with.
1: I guess we'll find out.
0: We'll find out. Anyway... But yeah, kind of boring. Also, I realized standing in my closet that it's going to be pretty hot in here all summer. I am like sweating, <laughs> sweating kind of profusely. So that should make future summer podcasting kind of interesting.
1: <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, oh, My one advice for you is to not wear ripped jeans. I wore ripped jeans to a really important meeting in New York. And I like I don't think the people mind, but I cared it all happened very last minute so to be fair it's not my fault you know they were like can you come in today and I was like sure I look like I'm and going you... to Bonnaroo but like
0: <laughs> you <laughs> okay. had done some strip down packing and it was like the only pair of jeans you had
1: I mean I looked really cool but I, when I walked into this office and everybody was like really buttoned up I was like oh I don't, you know like I look like that consultant it was really but- funny
0: were you there to tell them about cool things that are happening on the internet with the no, kids these days? Not really. Not <laughs> oh. really. But it was
1: that uh, yeah. I was like, oh man, I haven't felt like office self-conscious in a long time. And honestly, like I think it's fine, but I was like, maybe like ripped jeans is where I draw the line.
0: You're like, my knees are exposed and I'm wearing oh my pants God. right my now. My knees
1: were so exposed. <laughs> my t-shirt was obnoxious. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of things. Uh. Never having to say you're sorry. Uh, Yeah, you know, I was like, hi, I'm your consultant. That's why I look like this, like a teen.
0: (laughs) Relevant. You look relevant. Thank you. Alright, do you want to talk about the thing that everyone is talking about?
1: Which one? There's so many of them.
0: (laughs) I'm talking about a certain, like, internet-y, but also IRL scandal about a white woman living much of her life and posing as a black woman.
1: And obsessed. (laughs) I am obsessed with this story. I hope Kate Hudson plays her in the movie.
0: Oh, They look alike! Oh, I wish you could see my face right now. It's, it's true. Like, it's like it's the the sad like realizing you're true. You're you're like so right.
1: You're so right. Ugh, it's so good. Okay, tell set us up with the story. What's going on?
0: I mean, I don't even know where to begin. This is this is a woman who for how many years? I guess I don't know the total number of I mean, years for- at this
1: point. I think she's had this job for less than a year, but like she's also been a professor for a couple of years. Right, Rachel Dolezal,
0: who went to Howard University, historically black college, who Go was white them. then, <laughs> was was white and and called herself white, identified as white when she was at Howard. The most recent news, as of this podcast recording, is that she sued the university for discriminating against her because she was white. Correct. That's a real that was a real um head spinning thing to wake up to today, that news. But she's been the the head of her local NAACP chapter in Spokane, Washington for a number of years and has been leading seminars about things such as black women's hair. She's been posting things on social media about like how should you watch movies with racially heavy themes in theaters full of white people? i don't know what other i mean you've read just as many articles as i have what am i missing
1: i mean i think that the key thing for me that is missing is the reason that she got busted is because for she has done this many times where she has alleged a hate crime against her and in the latest iteration of it somebody had left some racist thing in her p.o box and the post office was like, mm, that sounds suspicious because you have a P.O. box and this letter is not metered. So it means that it didn't go through the post office and somebody <laughs> literally needed a key to your P.O. box to do this. Yep. It's like if she had done it at home, you know, it's like somebody just came on your porch and dropped the letter off. And that's kinda of how the investigation started and it's like happened multiple times. I think it's like a little disturbing also when you put in the context of her lawsuit against Howard that she lost and she actually had to pay the university. Yeah. Um so, like, people go fishing, call her parents, and her parents are like, actually, hashtag, <laughs> like, we are a white people. And then they do my favorite thing that white people do, where they list every country that they're from. I'm, like,
0: 2% Lithuanian <laughs> and 3% Polish uh, and 40% Swedish. I love, more Swedish. I love yeah. it when white
1: people do that. I'm, like, yeah. 17% Spanish. And I'm, like, good for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they do that thing. And then everybody's like, what? You know, and then her parents are like, yeah, we're like European descent. Rachel's been doing this for a while. She doesn't really talk to us. And then, you know, like the rest is history. She's, she's a professor of Africana Studies at University of Washington, which, you know, or Eastern Washington University, sorry. It's kind of like baffling because we don't really have a word for this, right? Like we have a word for when Black people have, pretended to be white, which is passing there's or no, have like, not there's no, like, reverse people who have passing. assumed they're
0: white
1: yeah yeah I don't you know like maybe reverse hustle like I don't know there's also like a whole legacy in, in African American history of passing where people who the people who founded the NAACP some of them are passing, it's very prevalent. If you haven't seen this amazing documentary called *Little White Lie* by Lacey Schwartz, you should. It's about this like young woman who like finds out that she's African American, but she's like raised by white people, and it's like fascinating. And she's like our age. The reverse, like we we have a firm grasp on this white catfish lady thing, like unheard of.
0: And I think the other thing, I mean, the probably fake hate crime reports are the sort of the sticking point for a lot of people. Because on a lot of fronts, you're like, okay, well, if this woman were using her assumed racial identity to actively advocate policies that are designed to help or advance people of color, then, like, maybe the situation would be different. It's hard to figure out exactly why it's so upsetting. Maybe it's not hard. Maybe you know exactly why. No,
1: I, I think <laughs> no, I think that you're right. I think that it is disturbing. But I think that... that... Upsettedness for a lot of people is not necessarily set. Like I personally was really amused by this whole story until the fact that she sued Howard for discrimination against being white today came out. Mm-hmm. That's when I got really disturbed, right? Because I was like, hmm, this is the thing that really irks people of color, especially like black people. It's this performance of blackness where people want to perform the blackness. They want to be cool, but they don't want to share the burden. And that is really disturbing to me. You know, obviously, like, we don't know her. This lady could be, like, not very mentally stable. That's one thing to put out there. But also, people do things for really weird reasons. And this, like, it's never going to make sense to any of us. One thing that I find
0: kind of disappointing, well, really disappointing, but also weirdly understandable, is her wanting to take a kind of shortcut to being an advocate. Because the thing is, as many people have pointed out, there's nothing to say that you as a woman who identifies as white can't be an active member of the NAACP and exactly. can't like advocate for these positions. And yeah, you probably have to do it in a little bit of a different way that is in some ways more complicated. But I don't know if that's more complicated than inventing an entire aspect of your identity. You know, it's almost like she was like, oh, it's too hard to figure out how to, like, advocate for these causes with, like, racial privilege that I inherited. So I'm just going to pretend I didn't inherit any racial privilege.
1: Yeah, you know, like her, I think her parents were quoted as saying that she's been doing this. um, Where is it? I'm, like, actually reading the quote, the reporter quote. She has over the past 20 years assimilated herself into the African-American community, through her various advocacy and social justice work, and so that may be part of the answer. Even the NAACP on their Facebook page, like, really praised the work that she had been doing. You know, so clearly mm-hmm. she she was really effective at what she was doing. I don't know what like mentally and psychologically has to happen for you that you feel like you have to cross over, but I think that that is what is really deeply upsetting to people. Right. Yeah. Um... It's just, woof. It's weird. It just reminds me a lot of that Dave Chappelle, like, the black KK, um Oh, yeah, the, um, blind, the blind guy. Yeah, you know, which, <laughs> which, like, for its time was hilarious and funny, but, like, you know, when I think about it in the, in the reverse, like, disturb, it disturbs me so, it disturbs me so much. We're looking for Clayton Bigsby. We'll look no further, fella, you found me. Uh, Clayton Bigsby, the author? What, you don't think I can write them books? Just because I'm blind don't mean I'm dumb.
0: How could this have happened? A
1: black white supremacist. But I think that there's also something to this whole conversation about what the actual political designation of race is. I know that whenever I have to fill a census form, I feel weird about it, even though like I'm clear, you know, like, I'm black. I come from, like, African people I'm not African American right Um, but even for me like filling out that box that says like you know like black or African American is really weird because like I don't know politically really what that means and I
0: personally feel disenfranchised that I can't check German-Irish-white person. <laughs> I have to just check plain white, which I feel like really subsumes my mixed Western-European identity.
1: <laughs> no, I know, but if you think about, like, the Latino box, that's the most, like, oh, weirdly sure. manufactured, like, crazy... It's so arbitrary. It's so, so, so arbitrary. And I yeah. think that that's the other thing, too, that's been really insane about this whole conversation is how it, it's brought out a lot of race anxiety for a lot of people because right. we still we still really don't agree on what those boxes are and if they're necessary at all
0: right and there's been a lot of conversation around this because of matt johnson's new book oh, like it's there was so a great good. yeah so there's good. there's a really great you know he did a conversation with our pal collier about just biracial identity, an incredibly complex thing that is usually not an option in the checkbox context.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting to think about this woman, Rachel Dolezal, like, if she were 2% African American, what would, how would that change the conversation? If, what percentage is it? is it? You know, it's kind of in this case, like, okay, obviously zero, so it's it's a different conversation. <laughs> but I think that's something that a lot of smart writers who we read have been talking about and grappling with before she was sort of a sensationalist face to the story.
1: Yeah. There's also like other aspects of the story too that I just realized are so offensive to me is the fact that there's like a picture of a um, like clearly African American man that she like paraded around as her father. Oh that Um, one yeah. You know, and then her parents had adopted these African American children and she claimed them as her own. So it's like, you know, fake father, fake children. It's just This performance of Blackness again, where it's like, you can't take the good parts and just say that the rest of our pain isn't real. And I think that that's that's really disturbing. But, like, good point on the Matt Johnson book, Loving Day. Everybody should read that. Somebody sent me (laughs) one... Uh, on, on Mother's Day actually one of our friends sent me a text that was like this is going to sound really insensitive but I don't mean it to. She was like a lot of our black friends have white moms and that's the thing I was not, I didn't know. Hmm. And I was like yeah there's this whole rich history around biracial people, multicultural people and like we still we still don't reckon with it well right? And even right. today like people are weirded out by it which is ridiculous because right. it's none of your business but it's You know, it's like with Rachel, like, who knows? Maybe, you know, it's like plot twist. Maybe her parents are passing as white.
0: Yeah, we have no idea where this thing is going to end up. And I don't know, it's, I'm a little bit torn because, yeah, obviously the internet is kind of a terrible place and people are saying some terrible things. But I also think that unlike a lot of super huge, shamey internet blow ups, this raises actually very relevant questions. (laughs) This is, like, as you say, like, a conversation that has been happening among certain people and should probably be happening among a wider subset of the population.
1: Yeah, I will say that the one comical part of all of this is when (laughs) that interview when the reporter asks her if she's, you know, like, are you African-American? And she looks so shocked and then says, I don't understand the question. (laughs) I was (laughs) like... Rachel, well played. Well played. I like died laughing when that happened. Right. It was like Pleading ignorance. On. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like who knows? Oh, also, did I ever tell you this? You know I got, I did the twenty three and me DNA test? Yes. And um <laughs> my family were like from Guinea and West Africa. Nobody's from anywhere else. Her family history back to like sixth century. My grandparents are probably, like, some of the most racist people I know when it comes to, like, outside of, you know, like, being outside of black people. My DNA results state that I am 20-something percent Caucasian. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Whoa, I know. So now it's like, you know, and I've been like trying to talk to the the older folks about it, and everybody's like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> 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 that is fascinating to me. That's yeah. just, like, who is not telling the truth? But also, like, life is a lot more complicated than people make it out to be. Right. And also,
0: like, maybe who isn't lying, but who is does not have all the information and assumes that they do? Yeah, you know? trust.
1: In my family, somebody's probably lying. <laughs> <laughs> this is going. But yeah, it's really fraught because in, in my generation, a lot of people have interracial marriages. And it's, like, created a lot of just like strife within our family every once hmm. in a while and the crutch is always that right is that no we've always been like this like tribe of black person mm-hmm. and now i want to write henry lewis gates and be like hi i did your weird eugenics project can you put me on your tv show i have questions
0: i mean there's a chance right
1: i mean not unless i become famous like ben affleck famous
0: Mm, I think you could probably get on I'm gonna I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the bar lower than Ben Affleck famous I
1: don't know but but. did you hear this how Ben Affleck made him take out like his slave ancestors Uh, Oh yeah so good (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like Henry Louis Gates owes he owes the common people like something
0: that's like a a a different version of the like rachel dolezal i'm gonna rewrite my history it's like okay we're white people but we're not slave owning white people we're like pure
1: pure white people i know whereas like (laughs) in my head whenever i meet like a white person i'm always like you know like deep down inside i'm like how many slaves your family own because Mm -hmm. i like didn't think it was possible for them not to but also i don't hold it against them it's weird this conversation's getting real (laughs) thank you ben affleck (laughs)
0: Rather no, thank you. But also
1: this this whole Rachel thing is crazy. It's so it's crazy because it's the first time that we've heard of it. I want somebody to go out unearthing all these other people who are doing this because the other, this is the thing I will say about Rachel is that she like nailed the hair. She like nailed it. That woman had like dreadlocks and box braids. She like wrist traction alopecia to lie about her heritage. That's madness to me.
0: It's true. She went as far as she could go. Probably.
1: I know if her parents hadn't snitched on her, like, we wouldn't be here right now. But, you know, that's,
0: that's the thing about this story. I'm always like, how many things like this just never, ever get reported? Or, like, people never get found out?
1: No, totally. With her, you know, it's, it, it's the hate crime thing. And it's like, who, you know, like, who knows? Who right. knows? But, you know, like I was telling you earlier, the fact that she's, like, this comfortable using, like, the police and the legal system... <laughs> to write her slights against her is how I know that she's probably white. Yeah. Like, that's crazy.
0: Also, just the fact that she has a name that rhymes with racial. I mean, <laughs> you can't even, you can't make it up. It's just so.
1: Uh. Oh, my God. Rach. Yeah. This is. Yeah. It's also, it's like, why would you want to leave the white world to live in the black world? Who knows? You know, like, who knows? People are weird. People are weird.
0: talk about ariana grande while
1: we're at it (laughs) 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 you want to emoji hand ariana grande okay it'll be very short great um and you know how i like one artist ariana grande i like her jams i I mean who who doesn't it's possible to like to like the artist and overlook a lot of things about them but i'm done overlooking things uh so ariana grande a couple of weeks ago spoke her mind on social media where she went on this feminist rant that people are calling epic. (laughs) And I mean, like for a feminist rant, it was really good, you know? She went into like double standards and like misogyny. There's a glorious item quote. All incredibly valid points. But I'm asking the people to stay woke. It's very hard for me to defend Ariana Grande when she like looks like a sexy baby and she contributes to a lot Of the stereotypes against her And I feel like I don't know I feel like this makes me A little bit of a bad person But I really stand by it I'm like You literally cannot Perpetrate These like Gross Sexist stereotypes And then ask people To also stand with you That's not cool Right Because she's basically A sexy baby
0: Also the word empowerment Featured prominently And I feel like That is just a red flag Lately That it's That it's maybe A suspect brand of feminism
1: It's so suspect. I'm like, I'm sorry. Nicki Minaj is already saying this. So you guys should probably just make Nicki your savior. But I just, it's very hard to be inclusive when you also watch people contribute to their own oppression and especially make money from it. Like usually I would not care, but I'm like, I'm sorry. You make a lot of money from wearing that high ponytail and doing that baby voice and that baby act, like drop it.
0: Okay, the high pony is not like the worst. And
1: the high pony is part of the problem. I in mean, the overall look. Don't make me police <laughs> her whole look. It's part of it. It's totally just all pull right. up a picture, it's part of it. It's I infantilizing.
0: Uh, Alright. It does facilitate a certain type of infantilizing headcock, you know? That yeah. is that is the problem with the pony. But in general, a high pony can be fine.
1: I don't know. I just feel like these women who make money off of this stuff, it's like, you gotta step up your game a little bit more. We see right through you. Right.
0: I think it's also hard to figure out where to draw the line with some of this stuff, because I agree that this is a situation where you're like, okay, like, maybe look at your life, look at your choices, as opposed to just (laughs) ranting on the internet about these issues. Fair enough. But like, there are a lot of other artists who identify as feminists who we love and respect who... Share certain elements of their look. Oh, I call all of those
1: ladies out too, but like this was particularly egregious because it was part of this manifesto rant thing, and I was like, "I'm sorry, we have to be more skeptical of our pop stars." Is what I'm saying.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: (laughs) You just have to. It's like anybody who comes trying to sell you some like empowerment gospel water, you can't. Ariana Grande, good jams, stay woke.
0: Speaking of sort of feminist self-presentation, I want to talk about this article that was in the New York Times recently about women shaving their face, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which like, so I think that there is some potential here, right? Like, I think it's interesting to sort of say women are doing this grooming thing that has long been associated with men. Here's why they like it. But it was just full of all of this gross oh, I see women with, like, a little bit of fuzz on their upper lip, and I'm like, you can see that. Why aren't you shaving it? Or, like, waxing is not enough. It's one thing to sort of say some women feel awesome when they shave their faces, full stop, and it's another to say women who have any kind of facial hair are gross.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, facial hair happens. People who tell you that they don't have facial hair... Are lying. Well, yeah, it's like they're lying or they're... It's like a thing... It's a part of your body that you can't control. So right. it's one of those like making fun of people for it is just very middle school stupid.
0: Well, also it's not even like making fun of women who grow facial hair so much as policing women who don't feel the need to meticulously remove it.
1: Exactly. As well. That's true. The Kardashians talk about their hair all the time. Like those yeah. ladies those ladies laser like every three shows and they will like show you everywhere the laser is going.
0: They're going to regret that when, like, the strong sideburn comes into fashion for women. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to, like... It's like those women who, like, went with really, really tiny eyebrows and then bushy brows came back and then there were all these tutorials about how to, like, pencil on thicker eyebrows. Yeah, and it's
1: like, you lost that war a long time ago. Exactly.
0: You threw your stakes in with the tiny eyebrow gang and, like, this is, this is what you have to do now. We have to live
1: with? <laughs> I'm seeing, like, a gang of ladies with tiny eyebrows and I'm terrified. Um, But listen, so
0: this is the quote from the women shaving article. Um, Women, especially blondes, think they have no facial hair because it's so light. But when the sunlight hits it, it looks like you could run your fingers through it, she said. I just want to grab them and be like, here's my tinkle, which is like a, a lady face shaving razor. And I was just like, oh, gross. Can you not just advocate for being like, I like shaving my face and that's a thing I like, without shitting on other women who don't.
1: I know. That's, ugh, that's so annoying. Also, it's like, just women who notice things like that and feel like they have to say something about it. I'm like, you're the first one I'm going to throw off the boat, like, when the war comes. I mean... Yes, you notice it, you don't necessarily have to share it. It's just, like, very mean girls' behavior. It's
0: very mean girls' behavior. But I also have a very early... Like, I don't remember how old I would have been. I probably would have been... I was was definitely old enough to kind of be worrying about puberty things. I have a memory of walking in on my mom shaving her face when I was a kid. Like, shaving her mustache. And I remember, kind of like, I had opened the door on, like, her you know, taking a shit or something like you know, it was like <gasps> like, oh, I've seen something I shouldn't seen. Like I remember kind of being like, I know I can't talk about this. And it's so funny because now I'm just like, oh who cares? Whatever. And but I thought about it when I read right, the article. It, it felt
1: really transgressive though. Totally.
0: I'm like, oh my God, I saw my mom doing a man thing.
1: Yeah, it's like we we don't talk about grooming rituals unless they're sexy, right? Exactly. Um and like if you live with someone or you're really good friends with someone, you notice they're like good and bad days, you know, I'm like <laughs> This <laughs> is the like week of my period. Where really, if you get close to me, I just I just look like one of those Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Like, there is just no like everything has broken down. Or when I get off a plane or something, but I, you know, like it's like you just you just don't care. And I think it's like I was telling you that I haven't shaved my armpits in I don't know like two or three years. Like true story. Mm-hmm. uh I think they just stopped growing. Like there is a little bit of hair. It's nothing crazy. But it also I have no anxiety about it. Right.
0: Well you Which, just adjust, you know?
1: Yeah, you just adjust. It it just becomes like a normal part of your routine. But I also think that if somebody like said something and tried to shame me about it, I would probably be really sad or like freak out.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel an obligation not to police other women's grooming choices, and that ranges from like hair to whether you wear makeup to like. I mean, I guess I just kind of police skinny eyebrows, but would not like stop someone yeah, on the street and be like just
1: a your face though is the mommy.
0: <laughs> Permanent surprise face.
1: Yeah, you know it's. This whole thing is, it's very strange because obviously, like, everybody's grooming changes. It adjusts with, like, fashion. It adjusts with your own comfort level. And, and it's, it's not something that we talk about a lot. Like, people will talk about, like, beauty regimens. But nobody will talk about grooming regimens. <laughs> and, like, on one hand, it's, like, kind of a taboo. But on the other hand, it's, like, who the fuck cares? Why do I care? Like, if I see a beautiful woman on TV, I'm, like, you know, like, groomed to the gods. I see a beautiful woman in a magazine. I'm like, this is a lot of Photoshop, but it, it never really affects like my own presentation of self. I think that it's insane to have anxiety over things that you don't know a lot about or like can't control or don't have enough money to do for yourself. Yeah,
0: I mean, and obviously, anxiety is understandable. I think you're right that it's not healthy or useful. But, like, you know, stupid articles like this one, which was such a great opportunity to just say, hey, this is a thing women do and kind of normalize it and be like, yeah, so.
1: <laughs> right. Like, just, I would have yeah. never thought to shave my face because I guess when you're younger, people always tell you that whatever you take a razor to will come back looking crazy. Right. But now that I have been presented with this option, I will probably explore it. I was like, oh, this is a thing you can do. I just didn't know you could do it. I think it's kind of rad.
0: Totally. And, like, this article makes clear that, like, that is bullshit, which I think is interesting. Like, dismantling inherited, you know, beauty lore is always interesting. (laughs) But, yeah, it's... Was uh, Whatever. I mean, I guess why expect better of the style section ever? I
1: I expect a lot from the style section because when the style section is good, the style section is good. People are just... It's society I have a problem with. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> style section.
0: I, I mean, like, yes and no. I think that this article... I don't know. Th- there were choices made about how to quote women and they w- they didn't just quote... I mean, they definitely quote women who are like it's cool, I like to shave, you know, one of the, there's a YouTube video from some Bachelor.
1: Oh, content. Michelle! Michelle, Michelle Money, the Bachelor! Yes!
0: And, and in her YouTube video about women in facial hair, she, it says, quote, men don't like it, get rid of it. I'm like, wrong message.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> like, wrong. who cares? Did I tell you the story about the time that I went, this was the last time that I got my eyebrows waxed, like, also ever. I used to be a religious, like, eyebrow waxer. And this was, like, maybe five years ago. We were still living in D.C. <laughs> I went to get my eyebrows waxed. And through some miscommunication, it happened so fast, this lady also put wax all over my cheek and, like, waxed the hair off. Ooh. I Like, uh. I the only part of my body I had ever gotten waxed was my eyebrows. I, like, the pain is nothing. Like, I've never felt pain. It, like, pinches a little. Mm-hmm. The cheek, I thought I was going to die. And then now we have this, like, language barrier. We, You know, like, half of my cheek is on fire. Oh, no. And I'm, like, ready to get off this table. But then I look on the table and literally, maybe this is all black people, it was definitely me. When there is no hair on your face, you're a little bit pink. And it was so noticeable from the other half of my face. Oh, no. It was crazy. So then I had to make her all of my face. Like there was nothing else to do about it, it's like she had to wax the other half of my face. I like screamed the whole time. I was like, God, this this is gonna be insane. Then I step outside in like the December cold. I had to put the scarf over my face. I've never been so cold in my Aww. life. That hair is there for a reason, and she removed all of it. I looked pink for about a week. Every time somebody saw me, they would say, "There's something really different about you," but they couldn't figure Whoa. out what it was. And it was like I have not a single hair on my face right now. It was How long did it take so to grow back, do you remember? Oh, like months. Wow. It took like weeks before my skin felt okay and then and then I've never been back to wax like anything. Because I was like, you can't risk miscommunication. <laughs> it was so painful but also ludicrous it happened so I was like I don't know what about this lady like when I came in and like showed my eyebrows that made her you know she was like oh you have a lot of hair on your face like let's remove it and didn't consult me happened so fast
0: I also think bearded ladies are hot
1: (laughs) yeah I mean sure I don't know
0: I think like there is something about a soft edge to your face that like a little bit of Peach fuzz or maybe a lot of peach fuzz gives That is like actually appealing I don't know Like the soft angles of a face full of peach fuzz
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I guess like peach fuzz is a thing Um, You know but also, like, who doesn't have that one rogue hair? Like, the one hair that when you get your period, it's, like, out of control. Like, you know the hair I'm talking about.
0: Oh, my God. That's, I like, definitely. on your chin.
1: I have that. I've, like, had that hair since I was 12.
0: <laughs> Mine is on my neck. And it basically, like, an evil groundhog sprouts out of this neck mole I have when I'm about to get my period. It's truly <laughs>
1: disgusting. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, like, I've been battling this hair since I was a tween. It's, you know, it's fine. Sometimes it's very comforting. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like you never notice it grow, but when it's there, it's there. Like, you're I, just like, ugh.
0: I wonder when, like, the one big mole with a single coarse long hair coming out of it will be reclaimed as part of the, like, the witchiness is cool movement. <laughs> like, when it becomes, like, a cool occult thing to have the mole with the hair on your chin.
1: <laughs> we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. I'm, like, pro... I'm pro-hair on your body. If you're happy with it, you don't have to do anything about it.
0: Right. And, yeah, and don't listen to these, these, like, judgy face shavers in the New York Times.
1: No, totally. Do what you want. If you want to remove your hair because it's comfortable, do it. If you like having your hair, keep your fucking hair. It's the best. (laughs) all right what else are we talking no I'm like playing with my hair (laughs) (laughs) you playing with your armpit hair (laughs) no I'm like with my one like rogue period of hair Uh. it's like under my chin I guess
0: A listener writes, My long-distance bestie has a new short-distance bestie. Oh, She always tells me so much about her new bestie and how similar we are, but whenever the three of us hang out, it feels like the most awkward experience in the entire world. I feel like I have zero things in common with her new bestie, and we don't click at all. One time we were left alone together while our mutual <laughs> bestie stepped away for a few minutes, and I remember wishing that the couch would just swallow me up so I wouldn't have to friend-flirt with her. oh." I'm trying to get along with new bestie, but I don't really know how to. How do I get her new bestie to fall into friend love with me so the three of us can live happily ever after in a friendship trifecta? Can a three-way, long-distance bestie relationship even work? Side note, also, my bestie hasn't watched the Bad Blood music video yet, and I wonder how we are even friends sometimes. Actually, I'm pretty sure she hasn't seen Blank Space or even Shake It Off either, and I'm seriously questioning our friendship right now, TBH.
1: Yo, that is real. I am more concerned about your fact that your friend hasn't invested in something that you like him than this, like, short-distance besties. Maybe situation. maybe
0: she's actually solved her own problem. Like, the answer is the three of them watching a bunch of Taylor Swift videos together.
1: I know, but this is, like, the romantic comedy conundrum. I don't want you to. I want you to want to. <laughs> so this is what's happening here.
0: I mean It's okay.
1: Have, I have besties who haven't seen the Bad Blood video. I'm not saying that I don't love them, but you know, again, like when the war comes, well I I don't think I'm gonna save them first, like is what I'm saying.
0: The bestie war.
1: <laughs> when the bestie war the electro wars happen. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I know. Man, that's a huge bummer. I'm sorry. Such a good video too,
0: <laughs> but I mean, I don't know that three way long distance bestiehood has to work. I feel like she can just appreciate her long distance bestie's local bestie and be like, "I I love her for what she brings to my friend, and I don't have to be first degree besties with her." I mean, Am obviously, I
1: wrong? no, that's like obviously the answer. The answer is that like <laughs> you and. You shouldn't be friends with someone because you have a friend in common. You should be friends with them because you have things in common and you actually like each other. I think that it's it's a disaster recipe to try to please your friend by being friends with this other person. There's a huge difference between like, you can hang with this person than actually like falling into deep friend love with them. Right. I don't know. I feel like I've made this mistake before and- now that I know better, won't do it again. But it's it's just like it's not worth it. If you like this person, have things in common with them. It's obviously rad when somebody likes your friend. But I don't think that it should give you any kind of anxiety. I feel like I've said anxiety like twenty times today. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should check on my meds. <laughs> uh, um, I think it also is cool. like it takes time. It takes like a yeah. long time. And like your your long distance bestie is probably a great person. But I think that it is preposterous for somebody to say, hi, you and so-and-so have so much in common, boom, be friends. Like, that's not how, like, that's not how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. There
0: is a thing that happens where if you're not overly enthusiastic about being friends, sometimes the friend in between you is like, were you trying did you give so and so a chance? Like you also have to give your bestie the benefit of the doubt that she is cool to just let it happen between the short distance and the long distance bestie. Like I think that like no one should be trying to make anything happen.
1: Yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it to your long distance bestie. You like can't do that. Yeah. I mean, anyway, th- this Taylor Swift fan, you're going to be okay because you have Taylor Swift. You just you need to stand your ground. And it, you can be friendly and not feel like pressure to be like best friends right. forever.
0: Right. And just appreciate her for supporting your friend locally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. You're like, you're the local support. <laughs> totally. Long distance support.
0: Totally. Okay.
1: Ah, oh, these new modern friendships, it's so hard. I guarantee you that there's an underlying element of social media that makes all of this really hard.
0: I definitely, I was actually thinking, I've been on group texts before with like a close friend and then a friend of that friend who I barely knew and it made for a really awkward exchange where I was like, who am I texting? What is this number that's <laughs> come like, up? Yeah who's
1: the 704 number? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I'm like Googling the area code. And I hate that. I'm like, I need to know who I'm texting. Yeah. You can't just text me and be like, hello to my number ones. And I'm like, who is the other number one? I don't even know.
1: You know yeah. how I feel about this. Context is everything. I know yes. when people put me in situations with no context. But yeah, Taylor's a fan. You're going to be fine. Just turn it down a little bit. It's obviously hard because you're the one that's far away, but don't let anybody pressure you into being friends with anyone. Just let it happen. Right. Because this lady, this lady is probably awesome. You guys are friends in common, but. You don't need what you don't need.
0: <laughs> right. And I think, like, all of us have friends who were kind of slow burn friendships, you know, who you, like, met once or twice and you're like, she seems cool. And then, like, all of a sudden, three years later, you're like,
1: oh, <laughs>
0: you know, like, maybe right, it'll because happen. you have
1: to become friends on your own terms. Exactly. You can become friends on, you know, somebody's terms. But also, I will say, it is a little selfish when you try to just make people fall in love all the time. Right. For sure. just, you, gotta, you gotta push them to do things together. That's what I do. It's like, yeah. oh, weird. You guys are friends now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch the Bad Blood video after Dude. this. Dude.
0: <laughs> yes. Thanks to our producer slash podcast witch Gina Delvac, who makes us sound good.
1: Produced by Gina Delvac. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us many places on the internet. On our website, callyourgirlfriend.com, on iTunes, where you can leave us a nice review if you feel so inclined. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at callyrgf.
0: See you on the internet. See you on the internet, boo-boo.